Hey guys, welcome to episode 24 of the JV Club. I'm recording this at work at the HuffPost Live offices, and I'm not using my normal microphone gear, so it's probably going to sound like complete garbage. I apologize, but I just wanted to get this out to you guys. I'm still at work. It's Wednesday night. I got to get this over to Katie. So if you hear some ambient noise, uh, it's because I'm at the office. You might even hear some other people's voices. Some people might walk up to me not realizing that I'm recording. Um, But I really hope that you enjoy episode uh, 24. I recorded it um, a few months ago with my dear friend Suzanne Santo. Honey Honey is a fantastic band. You will be hearing more from them as they continue to blow up. I guarantee you it's going to happen. And uh, we had a very nice time speaking. And you guys are about to hear one of my favorite songs, which is called Old School Friends. And it seems very apropos for the JV Club. And then we'll also close out with another song at the end. Um, So, but I definitely encourage you to check out more Honey Honey, and I hope you like it. And I want to get into some shout-outs. I hope I haven't missed too many people. I think I've got a pretty long list, so... Um, or maybe I already, ugh, some of these guys I may have already shouted out. I'm so mixed up, guys, because I have so much going on with work. But, um, yeah, I think I, I think I already covered a lot of these. Shoot. Um, Greg L., Nick, Ariel, Move. Yeah, because I said Move last time, I remember. Amanda, Wade, Robert, Michael M. This is a travesty, guys. I'm so behind in my shout-outs. I wrote down some, and I'm going to read those. Um, I wrote them down in a different place. Albert, Chris McSee, someone I went to school with. Uh, Jody put some money into the selling Kickstarter campaign, which I appreciate so much. I'm so excited for that uh, movie to get some limited theatrical release. And um, I wanted also to... Uh, I tweeted this earlier, but Tom L. did a lovely um, YouTube clip that he... It was an animated doodle based on the Maria Bamford episode and it was so terrific and I'm, I, I loved it and I, I will post it on the Facebook page as well um, thank you guys so much and uh, keep those comments coming I am so behind clearly in shout outs that um, I gotta get it together but I thank you for putting up with me because this, this job has been a joy and it's been very time consuming but um, I think there was something else I wanted to say. I can't remember what it is. I send you all my best. And uh, I've got some really fun episodes coming up that I'm very excited about as well. So I will uh, talk to you guys very soon. Okay. Now entering Nerdist.com. My friends, my old school friends, the ones that I've known all my life. I spent so long pushing their love away. Now it cuts and it bites. I had this dream that I saw all of them. Full of wine and I thought I'd kill myself 
Everybody, well, as you uh, just heard, and I, I was going to say, I hope you enjoyed, but I'm going to just jump right into. I am assuming, and nay, I am sure you enjoyed <laughs> the song that uh, that I just played, and of course, that was "Honey, Honey, Old School Friends." Um, and I'm sure uh, fans of the podcast who have listened to other episodes understand why uh, it was just so important and necessary that I that I picked that song in particular to start things off with because it's. It might as well be the theme of the podcast. And to be honest with you, I actually considered having it be the theme of the podcast. Um, but then I felt like I needed something that was just instrumental. So that's a lot of recapping on just one song. <laughs> Suzanne Whoa. Santo, I welcome you in. Oh, hello, Janet Vernon. The JV Club. That was a very bold assumption. Old Listen. school friends. What if people don't like their old school friends? That, that could be a problem. Then I'll tell you, the people that don't miss their old school friends are nostalgic, wishing they did w- miss their old school friends based yeah. on your song. Well, you so know, everyone we, wins. We can we can also have it open to the new school friends as well. Yeah, maybe you should yeah. redo the entire song. I think I'm you already rethinking the entire, the entire record. <laughs> I'm glad we've uncovered this giant mistake <laughs> that you have in your songwriting. Um Suzanne, say, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. You are in between uh, performances. You just came off of a weekend at Coachella. I did. And um, that's extremely exciting. It was such a big deal when uh you told me that you that the that you guys had gotten in and that you know that you were invited and it's it's really great i mean right that's a pretty oh man it's incredible and the first time i ever went to coachella i was actually working in the vip section selling barbecue and i had like um you know you don't work the entire day so you can go like see your bands that you want to see and i i remember thinking holy shit that'd be really cool you know yeah but <laughs> and, you were already and you were definitely already playing oh yeah yeah point. no we were already touring and in and out of town and you know as you know that's kind of it's not the you know the right field if you're looking for a consistent income oh, yeah. so or of course i was like even. i was like 300 bucks on barbecue at coachella yeah bring it <laughs> right i'm gonna stop at morongo on the way play right. a little blackjack i don't know <laughs> um but i <laughs> I, um, it was so crazy, you know, when we found out last, uh, later last year, it's, it, they kind of confirm you, you know, pretty yeah, I'm far sure because they have so many balls in the air that they yeah. have to like figure out with programming. And so stuff. I found out like months ago that we were playing and then you couldn't, you know, release it until later. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. And, and having gone this past weekend and how crazy it was of an experience, um, it, I, I'm so honored and, 
you know, it's really cool that you get to do two weekends in a row this year yeah. so that like we can better ourselves. We took notes, you know, we kind of, you, you get a little, uh, you know, the lay of the land going on. Sure. And, and so I feel like next weekend for most of the bands across the board will probably be kind of kicked up a level just because, you know, you, you always, well, I don't know. I want to do my best and I'm sure that you want to keep the fans coming sure so and it's kind of cool to switch up your set so there's a little bit of a variation everyone's like i already saw this one last week this band honey honey uh no one's gonna say that they're gonna be like <laughs> oh i love that one song and i wanted them to i wanted to hear it again but then they played a, a totally other song that blew my mind also and it'll just be like a set of you can i don't think you can really go wrong um uh before and this is not this is not a podcast about necessarily about the current day-to-day of the band now or of your life now, mm-hmm. although I think we'll be touching in on that. <clears throat> but I also know that you've been doing a lot of radio interviews and stuff, and probably that is all you've been talking about. So we like to take it back, back, okay. back, back, back. I like to rewind. Um, and I am going to start out by saying that, uh, of course, I know where you're from. Ha! <laughs> uh, because you have great pride about where you're from. I do. And, uh, and I think you should tell the nice folks at home or in their cars. Where that is uh, in is. your cars or your homes, and perhaps you're even in the mystical Midwestern oasis that is Cleveland. But I'm I'm actually from a suburb of Cleveland. Um, if anyone is from Cleveland listening to this, I invite you to give me a shout out on JV the Facebook page. C Town, mm-hmm. go Browns. Um, <laughs> I was um, I was born in uh, a burb called Parma, um, which is is you know. 20 minutes from Cleveland or depending on where you want to go downtown. Um, and then later in like junior high, my folks moved to another town that was a little bit farther called Strongsville, which is where they reside now. Strongsville? So when I go home, I go to Strongsville. Strongsville sounds like it's part of a... Oh, it's just, it's It chipper. sounds like, um, yeah, it's, it, just, it's it sounds swell. like the name in a, in a musical or something. It's really swell is what that it is. That is perfect. Swell um, there's is a perfect. great big mall. Um, there's... There's like a hula hands and an Applebee's, mm. that kind of thing. Oh, and they the really they make it shine. Oh yeah, Strong's there's a Target and a Best Buy. It's almost like Casey. <laughs> like I don't know why I'm thinking of like the Casey Junior, like Casey Ju- like like Caseyville, like just just some place that sounds I like there should Ville. be some strong yeah yeah like Strongsville versus their evil neighbors. Evil's yeah, exactly. Town, Long Evil Island. Ton. Well, well, there you go. Uh, there's there's quite a difference. Yeah. Um, well, it's a really interesting place. Like Parma was a very blue collar working class. Um, you know, lots of like every neighbor. It's like neighborhoods. You know, mm-hmm. developments. And the, Strongsville is similar with the the development aspect, but when you're like like from my parents' house, like a mile up this way, it's all farmland. Um, so my friends that lived in Brunswick, which is the adjacent town, they had like drive your tractor to school day. And then like, oh. it, it was just, it was weird. You know, uh, there's, there's, I can so only much... assume that over there you weren't allowed to dance. Is that the town from Footloose? You weren't allowed to dance. That's funny. Well, no, you could dance, but I went to Catholic high school and there, if you were dancing too close, like the supervisors or the teachers would say, make room for the Holy Spirit. And they would come that in between really you. happens. Oh, I missed yes. out on that. I missed out on make room for the holy spirit that was more when we were younger like in junior high or i went to a christian camp once 
it was those are some dark times um but <laughs> that like when you're in high school those, they, that they, forms they character what were they we couldn't keep our hands off each other what were they gonna do i mean come on of course of course um <laughs> you when you said parma i immediately assumed i i was in my mind i was thinking oh maybe it's like a little italian settlement because oh. it almost sounded like <laughs> it could be funny. and that's me trying to connect too many dots because i know that More your family Polish. is Italian. but yeah. here's here's a little buzz marketing for you um drew carey his show is based off of parma oh that was like the shtick and when i i listeners yeah i ran into drew carey once at swingers in los angeles and i introduced myself and i told him i loved him and he seemed to be receptive he didn't reciprocate and that's fine because i i came on a little strong but he he's a pretty mellow guy nice and i was so proud and excited to meet him because he's he's done a lot of great things for our town and then uh, I follow you both on Twitter. You know that I know Drew and I do improv with him so sometimes. Cool. And I follow you both on Twitter and I was so excited to see him retweet. Janet, how, how can you, fact how can we, Cleveland. how can we make this work for me and Drew? We're going to. <laughs> Give it time. Okay. Okay. I am already, I don't know that I'm, I, I don't have like a secret room with a billboard and a bunch of pictures and like arrows and strings. Yes, you that do. I don't have don't a master lie plan. To I don't have a mastermind master plan quite yet, but uh, it's inevitable that you and Drew Carey will cross paths again. Oh, yes. It's going to happen. Um, and your family is, consists of your mom and your dad who are still together. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. And? Um, and I have three sisters. And I've, I always think about this being so interesting, but all four of us are born in January. Oh, that but, is interesting. But, you know, if you read into it too much, then you get into that uncomfortable conversation of, oh, your folks are really getting it on in April. <laughs> yeah, and that's not cool. We don't want to hear about, about that. Something about April, though. It's um, hard not to My dad's think. birthday's in April. <laughs> oh, that's amazing! <laughs> gross. I mean... So gross. The birds and the bees. Oh, <laughs> That's I'm gonna, really funny. I'm gonna need to excuse myself. That's and vomit. really funny. Um, but wow, yes. was that hard? Just like did did you did you all get sort of your your time to feel special when you're all your birthdays? Well, were the same it was year? always oh, first of all, Ohio was cold, so nobody had a pool party. I was always envious of summer kids, summer sure. birthdays, because they had you know pool parties and and like you know slip and slides, and we didn't get to do that. It was either an ice skating rink or an indoor dance party involving you- CC Music Factory. <gasps> Or some sort of Paula Abdul hit of the nineties. <gasps> there were so many. There were so, so many. many. Oh my god! I just remember like everybody dance now. It's like motherfucking on the on the ice on the ice. But that was when that was when like the parents got. Usually, I just remember when I was a kid, my folks and all their friends. They're real big boozers. They would have these like they would have like Yahtzee parties, you know what I mean? And all the kids would be sent to one house and somebody would like grandparents would watch us and my my parents would just party down. And so like our birthday parties always ended up with an entire like house party of dancing people. And like we this old house that we lived in had this big wooden floor in the living room and that became the dance floor and you know that was really fun to like slide across with your socks on and just like, get down those sure. were but there were big birthday parties and there was lots of cake in January. I was going to say and did you and did you ever combine birthday parties or did you each get um, your own party? Well, and it, where and where also where do you fall? Sorry, it's a two part. I'm, I'm the youngest. Yeah, um, but our baby. our birthdays our are uh, the 5th, the 17th, the 20th and the 29th. And and so it's pretty pretty spaced out and um, one of my sisters is my half sister so she actually grew up in another house 
Um, but now we have joint birthday gatherings and celebrations. We call it, we call it the January club as you should, (laughs) as you should. But, um, it's so, it's really cool. And, um, and you're really still very close with your family. Very close. Yeah, no, they're, it's, um, it's tough because they all, we all live in different places. I have one sister that lives out here, which is really cool, but you know, it's, it's always like this fantasy of mine that one day we'll be in close proximity and like, you know, it's like when you go home for the holidays, it's kind of stressful yeah. because it, you have to cram all these, like you have to like get your quality time in and it becomes so strenuous. And then you're like, I'm hanging out with you, mom, and we're having coffee and it's great. <laughs> we're going to get the most out of this holiday. But, but what would be so cool is if it was like this switch to, hey, mom, let's have some coffee. This is awesome. All right. I'll see you guys this weekend. We're having dinner. Yeah. Okay, great. I'm going to bring one of my, I'm going to bring my friend, Janet Varney. I'm so glad you guys moved to Santa Barbara. You oh, know, that does sound nice. I like Santa Barbara. I'm just now that I'm to, involved in this trying plan. to manifest my, my hopes and dreams you never know. here on your podcast. It's entirely possible. Your parents will listen to this podcast and make the decision. But what we need to do is make them think that it was their idea. And then we're set. Yeah. I think I actually heard you say a couple months ago that your parents were talking about moving to Santa Barbara. Does that count? Am I um, making it no, seem like it was their idea? they talk about moving um, somewhere near Las Vegas, which is a big no-no for them. No, I'm pretty That's sure a- they said Santa Barbara. <laughs> Did they say Santa Barbara? <laughs> this is me trying to make it seem like it's their idea. Oh, I was so... I was taking you so literally. Oh, oh there goes our master plan. January Kaput. Um... <laughs> So, so growing up outside Cleveland, yes, ma'am. How was what was your high school like? Hmm. My high school life was interesting. Did you? Did you say you went to Catholic school? I did. Okay. Yeah. Was it um, all girls or was it? Catholic? No, no. There were was, there were some okay. boys. There were very attractive boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I well, I was there my freshman and sophomore year. And my junior year, I moved to New York City. So, like my my kind my my normal kid lifestyle switched very abruptly at the age of 16 and it was all a a choice you know I have again my my parents my family are incredible people and they're incredibly supportive and at the time I was modeling and I had opportunities in New York City to work as a catalog model and um and I did very well you know for for the time Mm -hmm. um that I was involved in the business but um, my, my parents, like when I think about it, how crazy that was that they, they were like, all right, we, we think that you can do whatever you want and, and you we mo- support you. You moved all by yourself or no, how did that I, work? My first year I was there, I lived with two other students in high school and our parents alternated on supervising so there was always one adult there but let me tell you i when i was like hey i'm sleeping at so-and-so's house i was at the bars drinking and i was 16 (laughs) okay so you You yeah you did you really i was just out and about like it was like it was crazy and i was a model so i was i would go to these like you have access to these swanky parties and i like i was i remember being on a couch dancing like standing on a couch dancing next to justin timberlake and being like this is crazy and then like going home and like not sleeping for days because i was just like naturally high off of the experience sure (laughs) um and it it being this like weird but i'll tell you something um from my normal high school you know growing up in ohio which i had a blast i played soccer um i still have some incredibly close friends that like lifelong buddies 
Um, going from that to this other lifestyle, um, which essentially, you know, then when I started to struggle with the business and like needed to get a side job, like I had this moment in, in my life, like ages, like 17, 18, 19, where I was kind of bummed because I grew up like overnight. Like I had to be responsible and take care of myself. And like, I like to have fun, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't out of control. I, you know, so all of a sudden I missed being a kid. And I remember like when it really got bad and I was like having a hard time paying my bills and I was bartending. I started bartending when I was 17. Oh man. Um, I remember like calling That's my so friends. Funny. Oh, you were so young it to was, be handling I can't liquor. People hired me. Yeah. But I worked in two different bars and Isn't I would. Isn't that against the law? Absolutely. <laughs> Not absolutely. to be naive. But you know, I think that you could have been 18, which makes no sense to me that you could work in a bar, but not drink in a bar. But I, I could be wrong. Um, there, here we go. Just me. But either me way, 17 rumors. we've, we've established is but a no-go yes, no I worked, I worked at a super swanky nightclub as a cocktail waitress. And then, um, at this bar in Williamsburg, which is no longer there. And I, I would freak out. I'd come home and like, I was really proud. I didn't like to ask my parents for help unless I really needed it. And I'd call my friends and I'd say, like to try and like find some sort of connection, you know, because I was so lonely. All my friends in New York were like 10 years older than me and I loved them. But like, I always wanted to act like more mature. Sure. So I would really like, like make an effort to, to watch everything I said and, and listen. And even though like, I love my friends and we, we all like, I have genuine friendships with, you know, my old buddies in New York, but those are my older friends. And then I'd call my friends in Ohio and just to connect and I'd be like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, well, I can't figure out who to take to homecoming. I think I'm going to go with Billy, but I might go with Tommy. <laughs> and they're like, what's up with you? And I'm like, I can't pay my rent. And like, all I can afford is cereal. <laughs> and you, were you still, were you still like taking classes and stuff during this process? Well, or how did that? I might. Wait, you know what? In fact, let me back up for a second. I talk. I would fast. love to just, no, no, I would just love to know, you know, freshman, sophomore year, just love to know a little bit about you said you played soccer i'd love to just get a, a tiny picture of what that life was like for you and totally. then w- how it developed into oh my gosh this is a thing where all of a sudden i'm moving to a really metropolitan well city i elsewhere. did um i i was a you know i was an average student i i played soccer i i did local modeling i started that when i was 14 so i um like several times like maybe once a week, I would like miss half a day. I missed a lot of school and it started to become a problem um, because I was working and I was, you know, accumulating a, a decent savings and like it was all local stuff. Like I was in like the Value City department store ads or like Claire's Boutique. Adorable. And, and it was really funny. Um, and the summer before my junior year, well, high school, we'll talk high school. Um, I guess my my high school consisted of really cool kids like there were there were very there were like the popular kids um and every once in a while like i'd go to i get into a party and like just try and play it cool but i i was always so goddamn self-aware and like i never knew what to do with my hands 
like I always remember being like like I needed to hold something or have a pocket or a sweatshirt because <laughs> my it. hands were just out. I didn't know what to do with them. <laughs> I get it, but that's so interesting that you had started modeling already at fourteen because it seems like that's that was a not a s- ticket to popularity by any stretch. But also, but but <laughs> that, but also like the confidence to be on camera. I mean, a lot of people are fine with their hands until they're on camera, and then they don't know what to do with their hands. Do you remember yeah. feeling self conscious when you were working, or was it no, just? No, no, I felt just it really at home. was interesting interesting but i think with the kids at school the like the really cool ones and i was boy crazy like a mother like i can i say that yeah on you here? can okay i didn't Definitely. know jv club because i said the fuck word and i love yeah. that word um <laughs> no i just it's funny i i also didn't really like to um have like i would kind of dumb it down mm. like when i was in in public mm-hmm. with at school because i i didn't i don't think that like I didn't think that being a model was something that was um, that made me cool. You know what I mean? It was something I did, and I, I was embarrassed by it a little bit because, you know, there's a there's a stigma attached to it, and I just wanted kids to like. I wanted my friends and you know to like me as 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 a person. You know that sounds really weird, but I, I always felt uncomfortable. Like I didn't like to talk about it. You know, but I I, I was always excited like you know, about jobs and things. But like when I was in high school, I just wanted to be a kid, you know, play soccer. Sure. I was so you terrible. Were, you were terrible at soccer? Yeah. I'd like oh. to think I was good, but I wasn't. Oh, but I had a blast. It. Oh my God. I, I really like, I remember getting so pumped up for games and like when you had an away game and you were on the bus, I'd listen to like um, the Beastie Boys or something, and just like really like get like getting in the zone. Like, you feel like you're a professional athlete. Oh, you know what I mean. Love it. Everybody's got their tracksuit, and you've got you, you know you've got your gear. Uh, Having gear for anything is fun, except when you have to carry amplifiers around. That sucks. I was gonna say you really <laughs> Maybe found out about the comment. gear later on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so soccer somehow made you feel legit in a very specific way and you didn't like necessarily talking so much about the kind of professional model stuff that was going on. And then it just, did it just, did it just become apparent that you could work more and that you wanted to pursue that while you still kind of could or well, in terms of New York? I, um, I, I spent my summer before junior year in Japan. I was scouted by an agency and I spent like six weeks in Tokyo, which was pretty insane because amazing. Like my, and you know, again, my folks went with me the first week. They stayed for a week to make sure that their daughter wasn't going to be, you know, kidnapped by Asians. Right. Right. (laughs) I'm sure that they were like, okay, this is a big, this is a big deal. I'm sure that lots of like, lots of models could literally like, younger girls and i they actually i'm certain like from italy from paris you know are you know they would they would show up for for their time there you it's like you're kind of hired by contract for six weeks and then there are other agencies that come looking for girls and they could be like all right we're gonna fly in six weeks and we're gonna fly you to milan and and we're gonna have you there for two months and like if my if i if i wanted to have done that i probably could have been like hey mom dad just you know i'm not coming home i'm gonna go here which would have been you know pretty horrendous but um i they went with me made sure i was okay um i had this incredible experience 
Um, I didn't work very much. I, I had a, like, you know, here and there, I wasn't like, you know, it's kind of one of those things. If, if you're not the perfect fit, you'll sort of dabble. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I came back to Ohio, my mother, um, took me to New York because I really wanted to go and there were some contacts I had there. And we just kind of had this crazy experience of people being like, you know, impressed with the work I'd done and saying that you could, you could easily, easily live here and, and work, but you have to live here. You can't commute. And I was a really, I just, when I was a kid and I, I'm still this way, but I'm a little more sober minded with my goals. When I was a kid, there was just like nothing. I was so determined and I, I wanted it so badly and my parents were always so supportive like i would do plays and i was in orchestra and i was in, you know doing theater and stuff and they were always so just just behind me 100 percent. and i remember we sat at the kitchen table and we had this conversation for like three hours about like my person about me and hmm. like what i'm capable of and like my strengths and like you know, even like talking about like drugs and sex. And they're like, this is New York city. You're 16. We're talking about you living there. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to talk about these things. And that was something that was a really cool thing about my family and still is, is that we have a lot of dialogue with our feelings. And, um, there's just, there was so much, you know, trust in me. And I really valued that because I was a fucking kid, you know? Yeah. Do Do you, let me ask this. Do you think that your parents would have let this, would have let one of your other sisters do this or is it like it, you kind of lucked out in a sense that they were they so, you know to, they were so seasoned to, by the time they had you they had three other girls and and was it like okay man, we we kind of know that our kids turn out okay and we kind of know things are going to be okay I would I would hate to hoe my sisters right now but we're so different um my two older sisters I grew up with I don't think either of them I don't know. I just remember when they got in trouble, it was like really bad. Like it was like things were not like things were thrown and out of anger in the house. Mm. And, um, I don't know. I was always that kid that like, if I came home and my dad was like, are you high? I'd say, yes, (laughs) yes, dad, I am. And he'd be like, go to your room. And I'd be like, I'm sorry, still a virgin. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) like we just had this rapport of like, you were honest. You were a bit of an open book. When I came back from Japan, I remember I told my parents, I was like, mom, dad, I did ecstasy. It was awesome. It was only one time. I won't do it again because it was so awesome. And also I'm still a virgin. (laughs) Oh, you laid it all out. I drank a lot of alcohol. Out. I learned that I don't like Zambuca. It makes me sick. <laughs> <laughs> you gave them. You basically gave them a book report because I at sure that did. point you weren't in school in a, in a in a in a regular sort of a way. It's funny. I had to learn how to stop giving them book reports after a while. I was like, you know what? I don't need to tell you guys these things anymore. That's probably true too. I'm yeah. a grown ass woman. Yeah, mom. that's definitely true. <laughs> so okay, so so you moved to New York when you were 16, and then and then were you just there? I um, mean. Pre, you know, obviously we've covered to- we've covered Japan mm-hmm. and then New York, and then until when? So I actually moved in a week before September 11th, which was pretty intense to be there for that um, wow. horrible uh, experience. But it was, you know, an interesting time because the city was so um, there was just this awareness afterwards of people, and I just remember this like. I didn't really know the town before, but there was this like overwhelming 
just con- consideration for each other and, and kindness, um, which was really cool. But I, I was there for two years um, and got to experience all these great things. I started studying acting and I actually started working as an actress, which was really crazy. And um, my first job was on Law and Order. Love it. And um, I was falling in well, No, I fell in love with my first boyfriend and he was moving to LA and I, I followed him out here when I was 18, um, almost 19. And then we broke up <laughs> and, as it sometimes goes. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. Have I ever told you this story? Uh-uh. Like this is so weird. Uh-uh. This is like, we're really talking about this. Um, so yeah, I moved here in 2003. Um, and, um, ironically that's kind of, I, I think if I lived in New York and I can, I say this with all humility, cause I'm sure, you know, I would have had my struggles, but I was really doing well as an actress. Like I was in line for all the indie films. I was like auditioning next to Jesse Eisenberg. I just played Emil Hirsch's girlfriend in this movie, this independent film. And I was like, just like there was, a, I had great rapport with the casting directors. And when I left New York for LA, it was like, I had no friends here. None, none of like, as far as the industry is concerned, like it was probably a dumb move for me to do that. Um, but you were in love. I was in love and I was heartbroken, just devastated. Um, and which was so funny, but I started to write songs and I could always sing. Um, and I could play guitar a little bit. I just, I liked like as a hobby, but I never ever thought for a second that I would, I wanted to do that. Cause I was an actress. That was like my thing. Yeah. And I, I, um, it just became this incredibly cathartic, necessary part. And I wrote terrible songs. They were pathetic. You gotta write terrible Oh my God. Songs. It was like, it was like, we should have a terrible every song. Every cliche off you can think of, of like tears and wine. <gasps> oh, bless. <laughs> so bad. I wrote a song when I was 18. Um, yes. that I was, uh, was very over the top. Uh, like I, I wanted to not do, what I was afraid I would do, which is oversimplify things. Okay. So I went too far in the opposite direction oh sometimes. So you were and got poetic. kind of obscure. I, well, yeah, because like I the rhythm re- of I the just, cello moves your. Soul. I wanted to be like you know Emily <laughs> Saliers or Joni Mitchell or somebody who awesome. was like. I want. I want. Here's what I wanted. I wanted my songs to just stand alone as poetry, like even oh, if yeah. there was no music to go with them. There you go. And so I had one. That was like my biggest hit at the coffee houses. Oh my god! That was called "Finding Myself Eve," and it was all about like being oh, tempted by the so serpent much. and like <laughs> all these other women in history who were sort of <gasps> led down the wrong path by oh the wrong god. man. I mean, it was just like epic. It was you know so what, though? stupid. Like God bless you, man. Like that. But if that was your truth at the time and you owned it, you know, we're always going to change. You know what? Like we're not going to wear the same cargo shorts that we used to wear yeah. t- 15 years ago or whatever. You know, we <sighs> just so like, cathartic. I will say that. And I'm sure that was your experience also. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you can't trade that for anything. Those were the that's the real jam. That's- the difference is that you developed all of that into a legitimate career as a musician I had a lot of help along the way but <laughs> you know you gotta but that's like I feel like in general in life like you know the things we were crying about or singing about 10 years ago you know they, they change or they don't <laughs> right <laughs> I don't know or they change for a little while and then they come feet. back and you go wait a minute you I thought I outgrew this feeling <laughs> yeah, what are you doing here yeah 
Get back in your time machine. Yeah. So that's interesting. I guess I didn't know that you, I certainly knew about the modeling and I knew about the acting, but I, I assumed all the while you were also a musician. Like, I think I was anticipating you saying oh, about so high funny. school because you, because the, because sang, the orchestration secretly. Okay. I was so afraid to sing in front of anybody, but man, when my, like when I had the house to myself, I would sing all day sliding loved, around in your socks on that wood floor. Sing. And I would, I would listen to Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston and like try and match them vocally. And, um, I would just learn, I, I just kind of like learned how to, what it felt like. I didn't really, do you know what I mean? Like yes. it was, it was weird. I, I feel that's exactly the same way I kind of learned at all. That's, I think that's great. You know, you use your ears and, and your, you know, your young feminine emotions. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you, so you were, I know you started writing songs then when you came to LA, but did you, did you do other writing when you were younger? Like, did you keep a, a journal when you were traveling? Did you kind of I, make memories know, in that way? I started keeping it like avidly keeping a journal when I was in New York and I, I had like a, a dear diary when I was in high school and I remember my mom read it and I was like, you ho, I, I how could you, but so it was something she read it. She totally did. She was that, mine. she was that ho. But how did you find <laughs> out that she did? Um, I think my, my sister told me or somebody, you know, it's hard to keep secrets in my house. Yeah. Well, how do you, did you have privacy when you were growing up? Did you? Oh yeah. I had my own room, but you know, I, it's everybody was always aware of everybody, you know, like I remember my sister Jody getting her heart broken and it being the saddest thing because she cried and cried and cried and cried. And like, I remember sitting outside her room and, and my mother was there and I looked at my mom, like, what do we do? Like, what do we, how do we fix it? You know? And we were she was always like, don't bother me. I'm reading your journal. And she was, yeah, right. <laughs> probably <laughs> i love my mother she's great but she's you know she's funny you how know? could you but you know what as a parent that is like talk about finding myself eve i mean she oh. was presented with us <laughs> the serpent presented her with the apple how do you by the way i actually don't I believe do i want to make it clear that i don't believe in the bible and i don't mean any disrespect to anyone who does but i don't want to misrepresent <laughs> myself as a creationist um we have to hear this but song. she but oh i i don't even yeah <laughs> um but she but like you know i mean you're a parent and there's your child's diary sitting there that has got to be a serious well, exercise I'm, in i'm sure that you know obviously i'm sure a great mystery if you have daughters is are they having sex but if i was having sex i would have told my mother because that's the yeah, kind that's, of kid that's I was. what's interesting it sounds like you told them everything anyway so it makes me think did yeah. she just kind of think she had a right to like ah suzanne tells me everything anyway or was I, it know, like I maybe there's something she's you. not telling me I, I don't know what goes on in her brain, but you know, I do, I do. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure at the time, you know, actually there was a time, I'll bet you this is why she read it. My mother and I did not get along for like two years. Like we, we had horrible screaming matches. There's a lot of yelling at my house growing up. Italian, I think just loud people in general. Um, and I, I remember like we, like I loathed my mother for a long time and we just didn't get along. As and what people. age was this? Um, I want to say like 14, 15. And so you were still at the house, obviously. Yes. And I was spending a lot of time with my mother cause she was constantly driving me to modeling jobs. And so we'd have these like just 
stalemates of or like cold war not a stalemate let me rephrase that i misspoke (laughs) and like i'm i'll bet the motivation was like i wonder what suzanne what kind of shit she has to say about me and it probably said dear mom i hate you stop reading my journal (laughs) if i was touche no i love my mom she's great do you do you think about that when you do i mean i don't know how i guess how do you think about having kids is that something that's important to you well you know it's funny i was a nanny here in la for a long time so i've had a lot of experience raising children not my own um and i do think about kids but i I really think that like i'm gonna be a late bloomer in that respect because there's so much i want to do with my career Um, i think so many of us i think so too and are and i i also feel like children you know is something just in in my world that like it's not something i want to plan for i have to be with someone that i want to make a baby with right. you know what i mean like it's more that it'll be more organic about, than having it kind of like an age in mind or a well, goal in mind it's of more a, like the person i'm going to be with if that's the lifestyle we're going to choose as a couple you know if um so when Josh Hartnett and I decide <laughs> that we want to have children, I want it to be, you know, something that both of us Got are it. deciding together. This is good. I'm getting a good sense. <laughs> Just even in the last week or so, because Suzanne stayed with me. Um, Did I talk about him last week? No, you didn't talk about him last week, but I just I just have a sense based <laughs> oh, on shit. movies that we've watched and stuff. I've get, I'm getting a good picture of your type, which I don't feel like I have a type like, in that same way. I like tall, dark, and handsome. You do. That's exactly what I was going to say. And men yeah. who can throw footballs. Well, you were in the right time to have like a full beard because it seems like everybody's got one. It's a it's a it's high times for beard. It's a good yeah, time times. for beards. It's really funny. It's a really good time. Seventies would have be been the right but... beard. Some beards, like I have very sensitive skin, and they can really fuck with my face. Yeah, that's you know, the problem. Is that like a, a, a? Sometimes I like the way facial hair looks until yes. I'm interacting well, with it, and then, the I'm, then it's a struggle. If they're a hard kisser, like it's it's a big no no. If you give me a smooch, and when we're done, it looks like I got a lip wax. Yeah, that's a problem. We've talked on the podcast before about first kisses in high school and that that is what like I was talking about that with June, um, that we just both thought that kissing was you end up with just a slimy, wet, cold ring around your (laughs) most of your face and that it's chafed because like beginning. Yeah. Like guys don't really maybe know as much about how to kiss and probably we didn't either. And smack teeth. I remember when I first Planking started kissing, teeth, hitting yeah. the teeth and being like, oh my God, did I just chip my tooth? And then it just being like such a weird sensation, like touching teeth. Did you ever have braces? <laughs> no, I didn't. I had but, braces, but I don't, I think I oh, wasn't wow. really kissing when I had braces. Maybe just were, like some smooching. A little more lippy. Yeah, but I don't think I ever, <laughs> but when I was in college, I dated a guy who still had braces. Oh, good for you. Well. Take one for the team. <laughs> It didn't really, it's like, it kind of didn't bother me. It was a weird time. College was a weird time. I had, I was just kind of all over the place. Lots of acid. Well, he was, no, not in college. By then I had given it up. Um, I had, I had given it up, but That's no, fun. but, but in, but this was like a guy who, because when I say he had braces, I think you get a certain picture in your head about what sure. that means, but he, was it like Invisalign? 
No, it was straight up braces. Okay. It was straight up braces, but he also had like long curly hair. He sort of had like an Eddie Vedder thing. Like oh, it's good weird. For him. And he was in a band and he lived in a oh, house yeah. where everyone in the house was in a different band from one another. So it was just a lot of sitting around and smoking pot and like playing songs and jamming, yeah, which I know totally. I've talked to you about. Like, oh, I kind of miss that. Oh, yeah. The ease with which people would just jams. start playing instruments because I, I'm so self conscious about Dave that Matthews stuff. back then, right? Well, I'll tell you, it, was, it, it wasn't so much Dave Matthews, but it was absolutely fish it was the grateful dead and it was fish oh my god this was more even this was definitely even more hippie-ish than oh my god dave matthews like 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 tie-dye tapestries on their ceilings and growing their own weed and they brewed their own beer i definitely uh, wore hemp necklaces and puka shells never wore puka shells (gasps) thank god i associated that with like stupid surfer guys (laughs) i'm just kidding that would have been fair that would have been fair. Yeah, what was your style like when you were in uh, high school and then when you went to New York? I'm not done asking you about your hemp wear. <laughs> I did. I, well, I, the, the, the listeners may recall that I worked at a bead store when I was really? in, uh, when I was in college oh, in a small mountain town, Ooh. Flagstaff. And oh, so, I love Flagstaff. Yeah, and so that's like that's what that world is. It's all about like Grateful, so ba- grateful Dead bear stickers. I never liked the dead, um, but it's a beautiful city, a yeah. beautiful town. And um, yeah, I worked at a bead store, so you can bet I was making all kinds of hemp yeah. jewelry and other kinds of jewelry, not just hemp. I like that a lot. Let's get back to you. <laughs> what was your style like when you were a freshman and a sophomore? I wore a lot of Abercrombie and Fitch shirts. That's like oh what the kids did. It's mm-hmm. so lame. But I will tell you, I started... Like flannels? Like, like No, fl- it would be like... Like like a long sleeve shirt, like in wintertime, long sleeve shirt, and it would just say like A&F on it. Okay. Or, um, yeah, there, I never really, I was more sweaters because for school, you, for our uniforms, um, like you could only express yourself. Yeah, on I was going to assume that you had a dress code. Um, but with the dress code, it was, it was so ugly. It was a fugly skirt. It was brown. Hmm. We had brown skirts and like, like flannel material, like, uh, or wool, excuse me, um, and is it were they pleated flannel? pleated yes at um, least they were pleated i like you, a pleat yeah they were pleated um and you could wear whatever kind of socks you wanted well so that was like like bring it on i had monkey socks those are my favorites <sighs> um lots of <sighs> knee highs and stuff like that and then um you had to wear a solid color button down shirt but you could wear any color um you know so the girls across the board, I mean, their skirts were just up their asses. They were just, you'd roll your skirt so it would be short. Um, I would never have rolled my skirt. I was so self-conscious about my legs. I would wear shorts under my skirt sometimes just because like there was the fate, there were lots of phases where the guys would flip your skirt and I was like, oh my God, what if I have like not my not cute undies on and my undies weren't cute anyway, I'm sure because I didn't <laughs> know anything about cute undies when uh-huh. I was 14. Um, but my style started to change when I, the more I started to model, the more I started to like pay attention to beauty magazines and Vogue. And I don't, I don't even know what possessed me to do this, but I started going to Salvation Army and I got so excited because I would find like, I remember finding an old Oscar de la Renta skirt for two ninety nine at Salvation Army. And all of a sudden I was like collecting things and like, I was like, oh my God, mom, look, I was like, this sweater looks like that $600 sweater in, in this magazine. And, and all, I found like, I just really had great joy and pride from finding these little treasures. And I still do. Like I go to that same Salvation Army when I go home and I usually get like incredible cowboy shirts and things that I, I just wear all the time. 
gold mine. And um, so that started to become part of part of my, you know, integrating my my style to mm-hmm. express myself. Did you ever feel? I mean, you know, modeling. I, I've talked to somebody else who did a lot of modeling, and um, I'm just wondering if that because because you because you're very together and you're very you're just very down to earth and that. yada 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 i mean so far i haven't i don't think i've had i mean please I, I haven't really been drawn to have someone on the podcast that i would consider you know vapid or anything like that but and and by the way the whole modeling reputation is totally unfair um <laughs> touche i guess i did a tiny little bit myself but i was just never i could just never have called myself a model uh i mean i i mean i just didn't work enough to ever say that but um but uh idiots they were all idiots. Well, uh, they was didn't there, know what they had when they had it. Was the is that true? Is that true about you? Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> I was. I thought you were saying like other girls just didn't know what they had when they had it. But I mean, did you feel? Did you have times when you felt like, oh, my weight is an issue, or I I'm not as pretty as this other girl, or why did she get a job and I didn't, or or did you just somehow was your your upbringing so healthy that you you didn't necessarily fall prey to that stuff, which seems like it would have a magnifying glass on it as a, as a young model. You know, when I was super young, I was so naturally thin just from be, I was 14. I never thought about it then. I remember when I went to Japan, they said I was a little too big. And I, my first week there, I, there were these, there was this temple and there was like, I'm telling you like 500, a thousand steps to the temple. And I ran up and down the stairs all week and I ate instead of eating McDonald's, I had like yogurt and fruit and sandwiches. But like, I just changed like, but when I was so young, when like the slightest change in my diet and exercise, I, I like slimmed up overnight um, and I was never, ever unhealthy. That was something that was really important to me. Um, I just, I love food. I'm Italian. Like, I can't not eat. Um, and so exercise started to become something that eventually I did have to start exercising. Um, but I will tell you that when I turned 18 was when I stopped modeling altogether. Not, you know, uh, to the on the nose, 18. But my body had started to change. Like, I was getting hips. And the modeling world doesn't have much room for curves when you're that age. Sure. Um, and I just remember having this choice. And they, you know, it's, you, you take a lot of heat. Like, I, was, I remember being measured in front of everybody. God, I just so they had a measuring tape around my hips. And there's like eight gr- other girls standing there and they look, they look at me and they shake their head and it's like, they're like, you got to lose two inches. And, um, I just, I kind of was done with it. I, when I was avidly working, I think I got most, like I was, I was pretty. I looked like every other girl, but I, I, you know, I feel like I, I had more fun winning people over being funny and like trying to make them laugh and just like I loved being there so I just wanted to like joke with them and I I think I got a lot of jobs out of just being you know a goofball and people liking me which was fun so you know I had like regular clients like I worked for Macy's pretty often and things like that but eventually it the disillusionment of how the fun it's not a disillusion but you know I wanted to do other things and I didn't want to work that hard to sacrifice my everyday comforts of sure. what I was eating and well, not I lo- eating it's, and- it's, it's, it's impressive that you had the, the presence of mind to be able to do what I think 
we all still continue to struggle with, or at least I do, which is that finding that balance and figuring out it are the sacrifices worth the rewards. And I think you, it's really easy to lose sight of that and start oh, to, yeah. to start to choose things for the wrong reasons and to kind of punish yourself for stuff yeah. and the joy leaves it. And so for you to be able to kind of make an informed decision and recognize that your values were changing, your values were changing or that your body was changing or that the times were changing your age yeah. and all of that, where it just became, well, not I mean, as, you know, not as exciting or not as we all have the propensity to drive ourselves crazy. And I think that, um, I don't know what it is, but I want to be happy as much as I possibly can. And when I'm not happy, I, I don't cut corners. I have to figure that shit out. Um, and body image issues are huge, especially living in a place like LA or New York and having had been a model. But like really, you know, you find your buffalo. It's your reminder of, of what, you know, is meaningful to you or what makes you feel beautiful. And, um, you know, to be honest with you, um, I just got off the road and I was feeling really crappy. You know, my, my skin wasn't as good and I, gained a little bit of weight because I sprained my ankle and I couldn't run. And I was feeling like really, really down. And um, last week I went to um, my friend got me a massage at this spa and it's a hot springs spa. And I think I told you about this. And um, it's, you know, basically it's, it's, there's naked ladies walking around. You're like, there's hot springs. You're in the hot tub. You're in the cold tub. There's a sauna. And I, I, you know, not in any kind of pervy, weird way. Actually, I was totally pervy. (laughs) Kidding. (laughs) Kidding. Um, But there was all the, there were all these women of all different shapes and sizes and everybody was naked and, and I'm like, like larger women. Mm -hmm. Um, And everybody was so fucking beautiful. And I, I just remember thinking, oh my God, like, it's so amazing to be here. And I really appreciated just being a woman and like, and like, like whatever, you know, imperfection that I drive myself crazy over, nobody fucking sees that. Yeah. And what's the point? Like, if you can slim up, you know, if, if you want to, and I do, but like when I make myself feel bad about it, that's, that's where the shift needs to be made. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like make yourself feel good don't beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was and just be kind to yourself oh, about yeah. any change you want to make. No, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and, and that you're, you know, absolutely. It's like you said, just balance with everything. You know, I love that. I love that moment. I've, I, I feel that way too about places like that. There's a place in San Francisco that's, um, that's like that. And there is something so satisfying about just the vulnerability and the kind of, like second nature of just kind of being naked with a bunch of ladies oh, yeah. and old ladies and young ladies totally. and just every of every shape and size and race. And all, well, I mean, all of that, it's just like, it just feels so it, you'd think that it would feel uncomfortable. And yet no if you way. let your, if you just let yourself be present to it, it feels almost like the most natural thing. Oh in the my world. God. Well, and they've been doing it for centuries. You know yeah. what I mean? This is like, it's like Roman times, but, um, Americans, it's it's not as common a you know a event. Yeah. So when it is, it's so new to you or myself. But you know, you meet people that live in France or Italy or you know, just European culture is a little more um, 
you know, kind of open-minded with that sort of thing. Um, Korean, Korean spas, but I, and mine was, yeah, mine's Japanese. Yeah. It's Francisco. incredible. Yeah. It is. And you know, I, I just, I support any opportunity to treat yourself and feel beautiful. You know, um, obviously you got to work hard and do all those things, but, um, yeah, that's yeah. Naked lady hangouts are great. <laughs> naked Why are we wearing hangouts? clothes right now? Janet, <laughs> who's to say we are nobody has to know you will never we know we're not um so okay so let's get back to the music a little bit because i'm sure now that everybody's heard that song and i'm going to play another one um what did you did you know that the kind of i hate to use words like genre or you know the style of music or whatever that that honey honey has has embraced or has forged you know, ahead with as it, as it creates its own sound. Um, did you know when you started writing songs, like these are my influences or this is what I like, or this is how I like to hear my, this is the context in which I like to hear my voice or were you kind of all over the place? And then did you hone? And when did you meet Ben, the guy that you, that you guys, that you write with and that you sing with? Well, I, um, I, um, when I first started writing, I can't say that I like, fashioned myself after anyone other than I my voice was all over the place because it was it's it's kind of like I've got um some strength so I just didn't know how to um I mean you mentioned Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey but were there other I definitely had a lot of belting I did like I remember each song would always have like a peak to it you know what I mean like it would it would be like this <laughs> and then I come back down and I will end so quietly. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but um I I just remember writing songs in particular for this one man and I wanted him to hear them. Like that was like my my motivation of just like I'm in so much pain. I loved him so much. It was my first heartbreak and he was older than me and you know, in in a way that like it was an adult relationship, but like my yeah. first adult relationship. And um, I'm calling up this image of Lily Taylor and say anything. Yeah, she's like Joe. It was just- Joe. You broke my heart, Joe. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it was pretty close. <laughs> um, well, you know what's really funny is I would I covered my set with whatever sad songs I'd written. I played Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen, which is so embarrassing because that's like such a faux pas now. It's like such a no-no. When you, if you play at Hotel Cafe here in LA, you there's a sign. Can't. There's a band. There's a sign that says, "Please refrain from singing Hallelujah. Just don't do it." Which I think is hilarious and and so true. It's like, you know, that one song. It's like I actually really appreciate nowadays playing weird, obscure covers or or taking like a rock song and redoing it. Yeah. Um, but I, ironically back then I covered a lot of Sheryl Crow songs and, um, in July we get to open up for Sheryl Crow, which is so crazy because she is a honey, honey fan. Love it. And I'm so honored. I can't wait to meet her. And I don't know if I'm going to tell her that. Oh, I think you eventually will. I, I have to, I got to feel her out first. I can't reveal all my cards right away. No, you can let, you could, that could be like towards the end of the tour. I'll, you know, I, I like to play that game where I don't. I, I already talked about this, like where I don't know who someone is. It's like, you know, I've done it. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. 
<laughs> Johansson. Is that Spanish? <laughs> I don't know. So but does a part of that come out of, I mean, I think it's, for me, it's a, it's a combination of, of a little bit of pride of feeling like I would like to be on even footing with someone. Oh yeah. Even, uh, particularly someone I respect, mm-hmm. but to be on even footing and also to feel like some, like in some way, it's not like I meet someone who's super famous and I pretend I don't know who they are, but I do feel like unless it's somebody like your mm-hmm. encounter with Drew Carey, where it just was really important for you to go tell but him that you, you know what? him. The really cool ones. I got to be honest. Cause I, I, I make jokes about pretending I don't know anybody. I actually used to do that, but I don't do that anymore. If I, if I respect someone's work, I'm going to tell them. And the really cool ones are not affected by it at all. Like it's like Drew, when I talked to Drew, he was so humble and, and just genuine and, and present he was asking me what I did and wanted to know about my band. And, and I thought that was really interesting because I think a lot of times when you approach someone with flattery, they, um, there's this immediate switch. Correct. Where all of a sudden they're going to, and God bless them. You know, they give you their business face. So they give you their, you're a fan face or their, yeah. And in actuality, they're fans of things too. You know what I mean? And just like when people come up to me or, or my bandmates, it's such an honor and I'm so grateful, but I do really care about them if we're going to have a conversation. Because yeah. if I'm going to sit there and talk about myself the whole time, what a jackass. You know? <laughs> and I bore myself. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway. Um, and so... Uh, so when did you meet Ben? Oh yeah, I asked oh, yeah. you. I asked you six questions oh, at once. So no, 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 no. I've done that um, many times. So I was working on a solo project um, with my friend Todd, and Ben was also working on his solo project with our friend Todd, and um, separately. And Todd was like, "You guys should meet each other." And I think originally he wanted to set us up to date. And this was how um, long ago? Oh my god, um, I was probably twenty, twenty-one maybe. Okay. Um, so six, so, uh, two years ago, but I, uh, met Ben, um, you know, like once or twice before we actually started writing together and we, we kind of did like a, which is like feeling out, you know, writing and I'd never written with anyone else. Yeah. That seems like a uh, scary, I mean, it's just an, an, a whole so new insecure. way of, yeah. So was he, we, we both really grew well together, but he was much more experienced than I was. He'd already written a whole album. And um, at this point when you met him, were you just playing guitar or had you started playing the fiddle? I like playing, how did... I'd already played fiddle. I, I started playing fiddle when I was 11. Oh, so that was the, you were in the orchestra. Were you playing violin? I was. Okay. Yes. And then I, um, I started playing guitar when I was in New York, like 16, kind of moving around. And then when Ben and I started playing together, um, I was like, we can't both play the guitar and you play the guitar really fucking well. I'm going to, I'm going to embarrass myself. And we, I played a little mandolin for like a hot second. I don't, I shouldn't even say that. No, I tried to play the mandolin. Um, but the banjo, um, I've always loved traditional country music and it was something that we thought we'd take for a spin and, I was so bad in the The beginning. banjo was so hard. It's harder than all the other instruments you no, listed, like put together. No way. I mean, they're, they're all what you make of it. I don't think it's, well, I'm, I guess it's, it's difficult, but um, I don't know. It's so funny. I, I give Ben so much credit. He was so patient with me 
first when I was sucking. <laughs> he saw he saw a diamond in the rough. I don't know. I think he was like, maybe if I tell her she sucks, she's gonna cry. So I'll just tell her it's good. <laughs> Let's just keep her pacified. Nice. I don't know. <laughs> but so then you okay? So then you then so you guys were riding together and it moved really fast, really quickly for us. Um, the second song we wrote together is a song called come on home and we close every set with it. It's like one of our biggest songs. Like, I guess I'm going to have to play come on home is maybe the other song. You know, it's funny though. No disrespect to our record, but it didn't, I I think like the live version is so much better. The, the recorded version is nice, but like live we've changed so many things and it really like we've added some different arrangements and it's just like, it becomes this like, just like, you know, foot stomping thing. That's really fun. Um, but we, we wrote that and we were like, Whoa, this is cool. I like this feel. And we kept going and we put our songs on MySpace. We did like a couple of recordings and like, we were only working together for like three or four months when we were getting approached by record companies, which was like, really, I was so green. And, and, um, we were both like, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. And so we had, you know, trial and error and, you know, working really hard and, you know, had one record contract and, and we've moved on and now we have another one and it's just a weird thing, you know, but like six years have gone by and we, it's just like a crazy story. I know I'm not being very articulate. No, but first to the contrary, but by I the think, way, I could, I can, I can barely stumble through every single podcast. I, I wouldn't I just trade it stammer. for anything though, because if say we blew up on our first record, Oh my God, I think it would have, it would have been terrible. Like we would have missed so many things, so many of the, the and the pressure probably would have been so different. Oh my God, all of it. And like, even then, like I just, what I have now with Ben as he's, he's my best friend and as our, our writing rapport and just there's so much love and respect for each other that when we were younger and much more insecure and our communicative skills were not as good. I mean, I, I, I would hope to think. I wouldn't have, but I probably would have developed like, you know, just like this ego and this attachment and, and just a part of the songwriting process that a lot of songwriters have that is limiting to, you know, the, the experience itself. Because if you, if you have your guard down and you really just write because it's coming from an honest place, that is such a cool thing. And I'm so grateful to have that sometimes. And I'm, I sound like an asshole. What? No, because I'm like, I'm like dogging other people. And that's not what I mean. I'm just, I think with anything that you do, if you, if you don't, if you're not in touch with your insecurities, you know, you're going to have a problem. Oh, I agree. Well, look at the, even just in, I think in the music business and in the entertainment business, you see people who get to a level where you just feel like no one's being honest with them anymore. And you, and you see the work just kind of dissolve in front of you. Like, Oh, they no one, someone needs to say, but like that, you need, they need humility and they need perspective and they yeah. need, and that, and that doesn't happen to a lot of wildly successful people. They, they keep their authenticity and they keep their, right. their raw and, and their vulnerability and that's, and great art comes out of it. But then I think also it is like, you know, you think, have to, you have to hold on to that. Yeah. I mean, I think you can apply that to every aspect of life and every career. It's if you don't, if you're not in touch with your humility and you know, if, if you're kind of, you know, 
swimming around in a pool of narcissism and and nobody's telling you that you're actually swimming in a shit pool (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean yeah that was a bad metaphor but like but at this but in fairness no one wants to swim in a shit pool so i think it was fair no and and at the end of the day if nobody's telling you that you're um you're leading with you know with ego basically with your ego you're still gonna have to sit with yourself at the end of the day those things can't be buried and you know it's i I love talking about this stuff but sometimes i get a little insecure that it's gonna come off the wrong way because i mean i'm i'm as humiliated as they come you know everybody it's it's just um i I think I, i feel very grateful for all of the hardships and, and, and things like that, because they always, they can make you, you're given an opportunity to make yourself better, mm-hmm. whether it's something with your family or your boyfriend or your husband or your business partner. Um, and the way you handle, um, you know, suffering and, and things like that, um, can really shape the, you know, the better parts of yourself. If you, if you do it well, and if you have the right tools, you know, and with music, um, it's really hard. You know, this is a, this lifestyle. I feel like I'm all over the map. Is this okay? This is actually beautiful because we're rounding up on an hour and I can't think of a better way to wrap it up okay. than talking about being authentic and, and, and knowing your voice and not being afraid to experience loss and experience embarrassment and experience humility, you know? Well, I thank you. Okay. That's good. That's really good. You're safe. Okay, good. Well, Basically, I think that, you know, authenticity, as you said, um, whether I'm selling pizzas or I'm, you know, working at the gas station or playing music, um, I, I, whatever career I end up in, hopefully it continues to be music. Um, I, I like to serve the people and, um, there's, there's something that feels really good about, um, just spreading goodness and like, and love. And I know I sound like such a hippie um, because I'm, I'm a total asshole at the same time. Like I like to, I'm crude and I make bad jokes. You also um, aren't wearing any hemp right now. No, so. I'm not. I'm not. And I, but I did once, <laughs> once or twice, only one time. Um, but I, I think that, yeah, being in, in check with myself as much as I possibly can um, as a good listener as a good friend, you know, girlfriend or whatever, I, you know, sister, daughter, I, um, the more I well-rounded I can make myself, the better I can be at whatever career I'm doing. And I think that a lot of people, you know, I don't know. I just, I shouldn't say a lot of people. I don't know what a lot of people are doing, but I, I just, I I like to meet people who do that, you know, who, who just like keep it together. And, and it's not all about me and that, you know, I don't know if I said that well, <laughs> no, 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 you, you absolutely did. And I, I feel like, uh, I feel like I, I, well, I'm so crazy nuts in love with, with the listeners to, of this podcast and the wonderful things that they've said and the critiques that they've pointed out and all of the great feedback I've been getting. I, I feel like I can say that you're sitting in a community of people right now like our people, our people that are into this oh, podcast good. that, that totally get that. And that, that I think are all kind of asking interesting questions and, and, and 
looking at their lives and, and making choices that, that, uh, that serve them and serve their authenticity. And I, and we can all use that reminder. And I, every time I say something like that, it's just enforcing it in myself. Cause I need to hear it all the time or, oh, I, yeah. or I get, you know, or I stray off the path. So that's awesome. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you for having me. What I'm a joy. So um, I will let you determine what the song that I play with the, what the last song that I play will be. Um, if you know what it is, you can give a shout out to it right now off the top of your head, okay. or you can spend time and get back to me later. I, do you, can you handle do you want hard rock or ballad doesn't matter it's totally up to you i think we should send them on their way with don't know how okay i love that song. okay <laughs> that's the other song i fantasize about singing harmonies with you oh my god let's do so it one day <laughs> One day. Um, guys, thank you so much for, for listening to the podcast. Once again, please check out Honey Honey. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter at Honey Honey. Um, and uh, their music is astonishing. I hope you get the chance to check them out. Um, at some point, probably uh, this episode will not come out in time for Coachella because uh, that would have to be Thursday's episode and it's oh, not going to be ready. Tell them about the Angel of Death video that but please do, yeah, check out the, the if you, go, you should be able to Google the Angel of Death um, video. Angel of the, well, by this time it'll yeah, be on YouTube. Yeah, it'll definitely be on YouTube. And um, the beautiful Janet Varney well, makes makes a little cameo. I'll tell you, that might not be incentive because these people have had plenty of me, but Paget Brewster's in it. Oh, yeah. And uh, Martin Starr is in it. And Jason Ritter's in it. Uh, our friend Stephanie good, Sanditz and, and Jim Turner. There's a great, it's, yeah, there's a great group of uh Ben of Jaffe. <laughs> who are in it and um and it's a great video and it's a great song so uh please uh you know acquaint yourselves with the band and um we will uh see you next time on the podcast bye-bye oh no i don't know if i'll go with you now i got buckets of words just to hush out the sound of my heart falling down and bits on the ground Don't know how I love you when I'm not around I sold all my clothes to get rid of your smell I smashed all the clocks that had the right Time to tell me how long it has been since we parted ways. Don't know how to leave you and I want to stay. So go, go, go. I'm cold rushing water for the levy to break And the things that should soothe me just wear me away Don't know how to hold back what I shouldn't say 
so go go Nerdist.com. 